This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. We're going to begin in a new series today, all right? Last week, we've been studying the cross, and the cross, This we went on this deep, deep dive into the study of the cross. And this week, we're going to come up and we're going to talk about a little phrase that we talk about here called real love now. We had the word real across there for a couple of months. We had the word love across there for a couple of months. And what's there? Now. now. Somebody said, when are you going to preach this series? I said, it works, doesn't it? Amen. All right. You know, God has wanted to deal with our hearts. And this may seem like, Christian, come here if you would for just, just a minute. This may seem like a kind of a strange illustration to you, but I think God wants to deal with somebody right where you are. Okay? So I, I just, just use this as an illustration. I had a, I had a little procedure on my arm this last week. And, 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 you know, this morning, I don't know if this happens every week, but this morning, every one of you has felt like, has greeted me like, Pastor, we love you. Come on now. They've been like, man, you're a good pastor. And I'm like, hallelujah. I love you. It's, I mean, I'm talking, it seems like everybody in the world was like, there was no, oh, it was God's good. And I said, yes, he is. Thank you, Christian. Let me tell you why I just shared that, because you have to let Christian know how much we love him. Amen. Amen. The reason I just shared that with you is because when I'm about to preach, uh, if, it, if you feel it, it might be because there's something there that God's dealing with. It might be that there's something there that's a little out of the norm today that God's wanting to speak to you about. And so, as we open our hearts now for the Scripture, I want to talk to you about what it means to get real with God, how to love God, and really get on the process because life is full of, I'll do it tomorrow's. Life is full of excuses. Uh, well, I'll, I'll start reading my Bible tomorrow. Come on now. Life is, is full of those kind of moments. But let's just bow our heads and, and pray. Father, today we gather together in your presence. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for who you are. And God, I ask you that you'll speak to us as we, we begin this new series on engaging in our faith now. This is the moment. This is the time. And this is the place. God, if we feel it today, it's because that area is raw for a reason. Deal with our hearts and let us grow in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Boy, God is good to us. You should open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We're going to read from verse 25 down to about verse 37. But Luke chapter 10, verse number 25 is where we're going to begin talking about now. I mean, think about it. You talk about eating healthier, and we always say, I'll start that diet. Not now, tomorrow. Come on now. You know, somebody says, you know, I, I, need, to, I need to do this. Tomorrow, I need somebody said, for example, somebody says, you know what? I'm going to start exercising never. Come on now. Amen. But, uh, amen. But Luke chapter 10 is dealing with a real now moment. It says this on one occasion, 
an expert in the law, stood up to test Jesus. And I'm going to stop there and say for just a moment, I think we've all lived in that process where we want to see what Jesus wants from us. We want to, we want to experience more of Him. We want to see how, how uh, Jesus is going to uh, help us grow in our lives. And this man stands up, and he's obviously, in a moment you're going to say, he's already been listening to Jesus, and he wants to test Jesus. He's, he's really, he's trying to step out on faith. Can I tell you, if you step out on faith in Jesus' name, with Jesus beside you, he's never going to fail you. He's never going to fail you. And so he says to him, he says, teacher, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I live this this, this life you're talking about. How can I inherit eternal life? What you've been teaching about, what can I do? And then in verse number 26, Jesus responds. He says, what is, what is written in the law? He replied that Jesus says, and how do you read it? And the man answers, he answered and he said, well, this is what's written. He says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Now let me just stop there for just a moment and say to me it sounds like this this man has already either come into a truth or he's been listening to the truth that Christ has been teaching because this is the exact response that when they came to Jesus and said what is the greatest commandment of all? Jesus responded and said you should love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and you should love your neighbor as your Self. Jesus responds in the same way. So, so when it all comes down to it, this man gets an A plus for his answer. This is, he's quoting Jesus's words. I mean, th- this is, this is, the, this is what it's supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to say. And, and if we're grading him, he gets an A plus. But how many of you know Jesus grades on a different standard? Because what we realize here is that Jesus looks at him and he begins to deal with him because what he's really saying, it's not about knowing the truth. It's about doing it. It's about doing what God has called you to do. And the reality is most of us know we should do better tomorrow, but we don't want to begin today so that tomorrow gets any better. We don't want to make the changes that are necessary in our life right now and right here. And so what's happening in this passage is, is Jesus is dealing with him and he says, all right, look, you really do love God. And in what we believe here and about being real and loving God, we believe the way that, you get, that you're going to serve God is you've got to get real with Him because you can never love somebody when you hold back who you are. And so when we get real with God, God responds to us and God starts revealing himself in us. And as God starts revealing himself in us, this relationship becomes real. And we believe the next word is just natural then because when you really start growing in God, you're going to love others. And as you love others, as you fall in love with others, suddenly things are going to begin to change in who you are. But now is the time to take that from something we need to start into something that we are. And so Jesus looks at him and he says, you know what? You've answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this, not think about this, but do this and you will live. But what did the man want? He wanted to justify himself. Most of us have a really good excuse why we're not doing what God's called us to do. I was hurt. I was wounded. I was this. And the neat thing is the story that Jesus begins to tell deals with all of that. He begins to deal with it. Look, you don't have to justify yourself. What you need to do is begin to engage yourself in your faith. And Jesus asked, and he, says, and he wanted to justify himself. And so the man said to Jesus, he said, well, who is my, my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, 
A man was going down. I think you need to notice that. He was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away leaving him half dead. Now I want you to notice this next phrase. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, notice that he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, watch that, he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus then says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, help me with this, Jesus told him what? Go and do likewise. Not think about this for a little while, but go and begin to do what I've called you to do. Don't put it off for tomorrow. He says, now's the time to begin to engage in this process. Now, I want to spend a little time in verse number 34 today, but before I get there, let me just tell you that there's some danger that we find. There's two things we can do in Scripture that can mess things up and really get us on the wrong track. What can happen is when Jesus has said something, the Scripture says something figuratively, and we take it literally, that can get us in the danger of a thing called legalism. Let me give you a, for example, there's a scripture that says that a, that a woman's beauty should not be with a adorning of herself with hair and, and basically that a woman uh, shouldn't cut her hair a certain way and shouldn't act a certain way. And, and all of that, as it says, so many people have taken that verse and said, okay, you can't do this, you can't do this, and you can't do that. And that verse has nothing to do about that. What that verse says is, let her be beautiful from the inside. Don't let all of her beauty just be something that she can put on on the outside. Let her be beautiful from the inside. And so it's a figurative verse that people have taken and made it a literal commandment, and it has become legalism. But it's just as dangerous when we take something that is said literal and we try to make it figurative. And this story, Jesus is being very, very plain about what he wants to see accomplished here. He's being very plain in his answer, and it's not, he's not giving some kind of figurative response. What Jesus is doing is he's saying, okay, here's the way you're going to live out this passage in your now life. And it may seem like I'm going to push the envelope a little bit this morning, but here's the way that it went. Jesus says, okay, if you want to live out these commandments, this is what you need to go and do. This is who you need to be. And here's the first thing I want you to see if you want to live your faith in the now, loving God and loving others, because God's been dealing with my heart about that. If you're not right with others, it's really, really a good sign you're probably not right with him. Because it's hard to be angry at somebody else and to be worshiping him. It's hard to be angry with somebody and at the same time telling him how much you love him because every time you get in his presence, your sin starts getting revealed. So here's what he says. Okay, if you want to live in the now of your faith, you've got to love others. Here's how you're going to do it. He says, I want you to notice something, that the good Samaritan went out of his way. Okay? 
The Scripture says that he saw him and he went out of his way to take care of him. I think that's really super important because as many years as I've been preaching this story, over 30-something years now preaching this gospel, as many years as I've been preaching this story, the one thing that I'd never seen was that the Good Samaritan was not the only one who went out of their way. If you're really going to live your faith, you're going to have to become a person who goes out of your way. And some of you are going, Pastor, I don't know if I can give anymore. Let me just explain to you that the Good Samaritan was not the only one who went out of his way because the Scripture says this. It says that, that the priest was also coming down the road. And as he's coming down the road, I want you to get this mental image. If you leave Jerusalem right now today and you start out of that, uh, that area, you're going to cross a hill because you're up on a mountain in Jerusalem. You're going to start down and you start winding your way down a hill. And when you come to this spot between Jericho and Jerusalem, it's, it's out in the wilderness area, it's out in that, that, that rough rocky area. And as you come down through there, you're going to hit a, a literally a, a T in the road. You, it, there's a sign there that says you can go right 15 kilometers to the Dead Sea or left about two kilometers to Jericho. And so I'm imagining it in that environment. But here's what I want you to see, that they were both coming down from Jerusalem. The whole time that I've heard this story preached in my life, I've heard, I don't know how many people say, well, the priest didn't want to touch him because he was going to do his duties in the, in the tabernacle or in the temple. He was going up to be of service, and if he touched the man, if he was dead, he would be unclean. Well, let me just tell you, that's 100% wrong because the Scripture doesn't say he was going. You always say you go up Aliyah to Jerusalem. You always go up to Jerusalem. But instead, the Bible says he was coming down from Jerusalem. So he was already been in the presence of God, and as he's coming down, as he sees the man, he goes, whoa, I don't want to be a part of that. Here's what I want you to see. He had to go out of his way to get out of the way of meeting the need. They all went out of their way. Maybe I'm not making sense on that one. But instead of being a blessing, he literally said, oh, whoa, 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 I don't have time for that. Oh, that's just not practical enough. Here's an example. All you want is milk. All you want is a gallon of milk. You don't even want to stop for milk, but if you don't give the kids cereal at home, there's going to be a price to pay. All you want is milk. So you stop at the store. You get the little tiny buggy because you don't want room to put anything else. And it may not happen to you, but every time I come by the little Debbie aisle, it sounds like a choir goes off. Come on now. I start pushing my little buggy. As I'm pushing my little buggy, don't, don't tell me you hadn't been here. As I'm pushing my little buggy down through there, I see someone. And as I'm about to turn down an aisle, all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eyes, as I'm turning down that aisle, I see somebody that I know is going to want a counseling session in the middle of the store. How many know what I'm talking about? Come on now. And, and here's what you do. You turn down the aisle and you go, whoo! Come on now. Come on. I'm preaching where you're living. Come on. Because you got to go the long way to get out of the way so you don't have to go out of your way for somebody else. Can I tell you what I did? I didn't tell any other service. Can I tell you what I did the other day? Somebody that hadn't been in church right in a while saw me coming, and I saw them do that. They turned, and when they turned, they turned so fast, their groceries went on the, went on the ground. I thought, should I give them grace? I said, no, I'm not. So I told Charlie, I said, go pick up those groceries and take them to them. Come on now. And I, I thought they'll have to encounter me. And so he ran and handed it to them. And they said, thank you, little boy, and ran as fast as they could run. Because they were going out of their way 
to not be in my way. And I don't know how many times we do that. I don't know how many times we go out of our way because we don't really want to be a blessing like we know we're supposed to be. We don't want to be who God's called us to be in that moment because we just want what we need and we feel like we've given so much already. But in this story, the key that what Jesus is showing us here is that, that we can't just go out of our way just like the priest and the Levite who went to the other side because they didn't want their conscience pricked about the situation. You see, when you're out of earshot or eyeshot or eyesight, it's easier to avoid a need that could be a solution that you could bring. And before we're too hard on the priest and the Levite in the story, let's realize that we've all been all the characters in the story. We've been the one who passed by on the other side. We've been the one uh, who was taken advantage of as the Good Samaritan. And we've also been the wounded one on the side of the road. But the reality at the core of this parable, what Jesus is saying is that we're going to encounter people who need us to be willing to do in the now what God has called us to do when we see someone who's hurting. See, there may be a reason that God has put us in their way. And we can ignore the need or we can be changed by the process as we become part of the solution. I want you to get that. It's not just about what it's going to do for them. It's when you start realizing that God has a greater purpose for your life. That God wants to use you to help bring about a change in someone else. Here's what I want you to see. That when the Good Samaritan went out of his way, what he did was he used and gave them a gift. And it's a gift that we can all give. It's called the gift of inconvenience. Think about that for a moment. I want to suggest that one of the greatest gifts you can give someone is the gift of inconvenience. Just inconveniencing yourself for somebody else in their hour of need. It's a gift that, that, that you have to give even in your own household. It's the gift that when you get home and all you want to do is sit down and put your feet up and your children need you for a moment, that you get up and you go and do what your children need. You get engaged in something for your and, and I don't know if anybody else can do this, but, but my wife has a radar. She asks so little of me when I come home. But if I come through the door feeling like I can't hardly stand up, she'll say, honey, can you do this before you sit down? And there's a side of me that would love to tell you that I've always won that battle, but, but, but I haven't. But you know what? Thinking about this sermon, yesterday I did much better than normal. Come on, amen. But it's the gift of inconvenience. Getting up and going the extra mile for somebody. It's a gift that when you don't have the time, you don't have the energy, you don't have the desire to do it, but you know it's the right thing to do, so you do it here in the now. It's when your friend is moving, and I'm not talking about moving into town, but I'm talking about they're moving away, and you know you'll never see them again. But yet you find your time to go help them. Because even though it may be inconvenient and it may be changing your world, it doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. And the Scripture says, it says he went out of his way to take care of the man who was wounded. How many of you know it's easy to do something for somebody that's healthy? It's easy to do something for a champion but when you reach out to somebody that's wounded, you're going to encounter their wounds. I want to be clear about something. and Some of us, we probably should have, have learned this at other stages in our life. But you know, if you go through a surgery, social media is not the place to post that. 
And I'm not talking about telling people to pray for you when you're going through surgery. I'm talking about after pictures. I don't know how many people say, Pastor, I want to tell you about my surgery. And I say, I'll listen as long as it doesn't turn into show and tell. Why? Because I want to pray for you and I want to be there for you. But when you start showing your wounds, it gets real. You know, I broke my arm really, really bad when I was about 12 years old. And now when somebody starts talking about a, about a, a broken bone, I, I, I get queasy and I get, I get a little upset. And I'm like, you know what? Just tell me it's broken and move on. Matter of fact, I'll pray for you. And God, I'll heal you right here on the spot if you'll just stop telling me about it. <laughs> but see, we don't want to deal with people with, with where their wounds are. But in this story, it makes it clear that we're going to encounter people who are wounded. And if we really want to engage our faith, and I didn't say this in another service, but I feel led to say it in this one. The Bible says that Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrows. If you've ever prayed, Lord, I want to be like you, you're going to have to move in the now to start helping people who are going through grief. You're going to have to be there for people. You're going to have to start engaging your faith in a very practical way. You go, well, Pastor, I don't even know where to start. Well, let me just show you with what he did next. The Bible says he bandaged his wounds. He went to where the need was and he did what he could do for it. It was time sometimes that you have to get your hands dirty to help people in your life, but God put you there for a reason. But pastor, I don't even know how to start. Isn't the doctor the one who's supposed to bandage their wounds? Well, I want you to understand what he did in this. The Bible says he bandaged his wounds and he poured in oil and wine. I want you to see that. He poured in oil and wine. Now, I've heard all kinds of deep theological reasons why he poured in oil and wine. Can I tell you, I don't think any of those are right. Can you imagine the moment he hustles down, he sees him there, and he's like, okay, i got to take care of it. So he goes to the first aid kit on the donkey. You don't have a first aid kit in your car, more than likely. Nobody had a first aid kit on their donkey. He, What he does is he gets down in the middle of the situation, and he goes, oh my gosh, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. What do I have? Do you know what you have when you're on a 15-mile hike through the wilderness? Lunch snacks that's what you have so what he says is this he says i don't know even what i can do for him but what i have i'm willing to put forward to try to help you that's the now of faith some of you are going but you don't understand my life i've been messed up i've been this i've been hurt stop using those words to justify yourself as to why you're not fulfilling the commandment and start taking what you have in your life and saying god it may not be much but i give it to you amen Amen. See, I think most of us think we're not qualified. The problem is not that we're not qualified. The thing is, we have not quantified the situation enough to know that if we want to get engaged, if we want to get engaged with where we are on the level we can, God can use us. God can do something amazing in our lives when we just put our faith to practice now. And sometimes it's not going to leave you unscathed because the Bible says he sat him on his own donkey. Now look, this is where it gets really real. Because let's just say the donkey was a new donkey. With new donkey smell. Come on now. <laughs> Amen. And as he goes to put this bloody man with bloody wounds on his new donkey, 
I was telling this story in the very first service. There's a man sitting right about there with a brand new car, and he's just shaking his head, and he knew where I was going. I was like, would you let the leather get stained? How many times did that man's blanket through the years to come remind him of what he did that day? Can I tell you that that stain might not be the worst stain? Sin stains are bad stains. But the, the things that you give out of, and then you may look and say, that's when I was able to help that person. And when I helped them, all of a sudden, God opened up a door in my life and somebody began to help me because you, if God uh, is not mocked, what a man sows, that shall he also reap. And that stain became a reminder of an open door from God. He sat him on his donkey. And then the Bible says he brought him into his own situation and took him with him to the end. Some of the ways that you can get your faith in your now is by simply extending your hand, going beyond. I know somebody sent me a letter one time, Pastor, I don't know why you ask people to turn around and shake hands and be friendly. Who wants to do that in God's house? (laughs) Can I tell you, I understand what it means to be a little backwards and shy socially, but sometimes that and a smile is all it can take to disarm someone to prepare their heart for the gospel. God has blessed us to be a blessing. God has given us everything God has given you is for the purpose of being a blessing to someone else. The last thing that Scripture says about this man was that he took him to the end, and when he was, I guess, through at the end himself, he says to the innkeeper, he said, here's two denarii. Denarii. Say that with me. Denarii. Here's two denarii. And I want you to take care of him. And if there's any more expense, I'll take care of it because I've got to come back through here. I'll stop and make sure. And I want to put that in perspective for you for just a moment. Here's what Jesus is teaching. He says, look, if you want to get really living out what you're talking about, go and do this. He says, you're going to have to get involved in situations you don't want to be involved in. You're going to have to be good to people that you don't even want to know sometimes. Then he says this, he says, and he gives them two denarii. Now to you and I, two denarii, what's that even mean? Well, let's, here's what it, a denarii was a day's wage. Okay, I want you to get that. A denarii was a day's wage. So let's just take this community. The average family in this community lives on about $50,000 a year. If you work for 261 days, not including the, the holidays and the, and the weekends, if you work for 261 days, which is the normal working time, then that's $191.50 that you make every day. So the Scripture says he gave him two days worth of wages. So he gave him $383. When's the last time you gave a random stranger $383? When's the last time you gave the random stranger the gift of inconvenience? Wow. Now think about that for a moment. Jesus says, not only are you going to do it in word and deed, but I want you to put who you are behind it. Your resources behind it. $383. Seems like a lot. You know, I just want to tell you that I've had to live this story this weekend. Very, very small comparison to to this, but I, I was preparing this message and Wednesday's message and next Sunday's message, and, and they're all kind of dealing with this now theme of living out our faith. And, and so I, I get off work Friday. I'm, I'm exhausted. We've had a, an unbelievably busy week. And early morning, starting the 5 o'clock hour, most a lot of the nights ending in the 9 o'clock hour, I still needed to go to the funeral home that evening. 
I know some things we need at home, so I, I decide I'm going to stop by the grocery store on the way home. As I get into the grocery store, I'm just trying to you know, find what little things we need, and somebody walks up to me. Not an opportunity to go out of my way. And they walk up to me and they say, say Pastor, you don't know me. And I immediately recognize that I may have not known their name, but I knew them. And I, and I look, and I can see in my mind that camera stand, and, and I can see right over there, and, and I, I'm thinking, that's where they sat. And I'm like, and this is who you are. And he's like, you remembered us. And I thought, I remembered you because your story is compelling. They had been missionaries to China, given the best years of their life to the foreign mission field. And I've heard this story way too many times. Give everything they can to a foreign mission field and, and then they reach the point where physically they can no longer continue to do that. So they come to a home that's no longer their home. To a place that they don't know how to even function because when they left 30, 40 years before, it was a different world. And they have nothing. No finance. No supporters anymore because they're no longer doing that. I remember their story. I gave them thanks. And I said, thank you for all that you sowed into the kingdom of heaven. I, I spoke, you know, life into them the best that I could. And, and as they walked away, I remembered this message and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, buy their groceries. Not a big deal. I'll buy their groceries. My next thought was, what if they buy a month's worth? And I'm like, Lord, if it comes to $383, that's the best sermon illustration you've ever given me. <laughs> it will be painful, but it will work. <laughs> but it didn't. I told the young cashier, just total it up, I'll take care of it. And they did, and, and they thanked me. And When I got up there and they added that little bit in, it, it was cheaper than my ice cream run last night. Tears fill my heart and my eyes. Because what I realized was they didn't have enough. They didn't know what I was going to do, and they were just trying to get enough to survive. And for whatever reason, that God just caused our paths to cross. And I was just able to connect on that small level. So what I'm trying to tell you is you don't have to go out and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a seed offering of $383 in my wallet and I'm going to wait. No. God's bringing people into your life right where you are that you can meet their needs. You can help them. You can help them engage right where they are in your now. When you take what you should be doing from more than knowing and you take it to doing. Would you stand with me today? That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.